Hi, Joe. Thanks. Um, yeah, good morning. So it's, uh, it's, it is it's a very secular place, uh, and as such, there, there are no uh, official, uh, officially recognized chaplains uh, at York. Uh, they, they, they pride themselves in being a secular institution, and so uh, the Catholic priests, myself, uh, the rabbi that's there, uh, we all work as uh, directors of our student clubs. Uh, you know, they have this philosophy, you know, religion is like a little hobby kind of thing. You can have your little religious hobby and you can have your little clubs and that's good. Uh, but don't bring it into the public square, so to speak. Uh, and so we operate with as, uh, you know, student clubs and uh, we are the chaplains connected with the clubs that we have. And so through the clubs, we are connected to a university, we run programs and we could uh, offer um, um, programming to the students. So what does the programming look like that, that you might do there? You were telling me a bit about right. it as we talked beforehand. Yeah, uh, I do various things. Uh, one of the main things I do every week uh, uh, during the school year uh, is a Thursday night gathering called Theology Over Pizza. Uh, and uh, I don't know if any of you heard of Theology on Tap. You heard of that? People go to bars and talk to you. Well, I, I, I kind of hold my liquor, so I, I, I stay away from bars. Uh, so, so I have theology or pizza instead. And, and so we, we get together, we eat pizza, and, but we, it's a place where people um, come and bring their questions about faith. Um, uh, and uh, it's especially good, uh, geared for Christian students. And I try to create a safe environment. We have a talking ball, kind of, you know, the person who has the ball can speak and nobody else could interrupt until they're finished and you pass the ball around. Uh, it's a place to kind of have people be safe to ask their deep faith questions uh, and be able to also share their thoughts and opinions and um, be able to wrestle with those things. Um, and, uh, and one of the nice side benefits over the last few years doing this is that uh, I found that there have been non-Christians who have been regularly coming to Theology or Pizza because they find it's a safe place for them as well to ask their questions. And so it's been very good that way, the interactions between the two. Yeah. And how are you supported in this ministry? Um, I'm um, called and ordained by the Christian Reformed Church in North America. Um, and, uh, and so I'm um, commissioned by the Christian Reformed Church to work at York University. And so uh, that's my calling church. And so that's the church that uh, funds me and funds the ministry and, uh, and that I'm accountable to. And so we share that denomination, which is right. how I, I, uh, I know Chong. And actually, was that... When you started in 2001, I was a pastor in the yes. area in which you were, you were being called and this position was being dreamed up um, right. out of that. So it's a pioneering work that he's doing at York University. And so I want to pray for you um, as you open God's word for us this morning. Thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us, that your favor is towards us as your children. We thank you that we have the privilege of opening your word, of having your servant expound on your word, and we pray, Lord, that our hearts and minds and lives will be open to you, that you will uh, challenge us where we need to be challenged, that you will comfort us where we need to be comforted, and that you will bless us as your children. Send your spirit, Lord, we pray, to move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Joan. Good morning. Good morning. It's almost afternoon, actually, but I'm glad to be here. Um, yes, we have two Bible passages this morning, and I'll get to reading them, all right? I don't know if you have Bibles, if you, you have your Bibles or your, on your iPhone or whatever, you can read along with me. Ephesians chapter 3 is my first text. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 
onwards to 19. Paul, having his prayer for the Ephesian Christians, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And a few pages later, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 23, the Son, there's Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. In uh, summer of 2008, my family and I were visiting at uh, Black Creek Pioneer Village, and there was an artist there who was doing quick free portraits of people. And uh, this is a portrait of uh, my two uh, older daughters. I have three daughters, and these are my two older ones uh, back then. Um, you can see this is a caricature of how they look like. You, if you met my daughters before, you could probably see a resemblance. You can say, oh, I can, I can recognize Alyssa and Bethany there. Um, they have some similarities, but it is a two-dimensional caricature of three-dimensional real people. 
there's some things that are exaggerated. Some features are kind of heightened or, you know, emphasized. Um, and there's some things that are missing, right? You're not sure what color exactly my, uh, the, hairs, the hair of my daughters are. Or you're not sure who's taller and who's shorter. I'm not even sure who's the older one and who's the younger one, um, or their skin tone. Um, and of course, their heads are not quite as disproportionately large uh, in <laughs> connection to their necks and their bodies, but you get the picture. But you know, the, the nose is quite, yeah, is, is quite right. They got my flat nose. Um, so, so if you know my daughters, you can recognize them in this. But if you don't know my daughters, you never met them before, this may be a little bit limited in helping you as a guide to know them. You may actually walk by them in the street and you may not actually quite recognize that that's them, right? Without context, unless you, they're walking right next to me or something and then you might put two and two together. If I give you a three-dimensional sculpture, scaled-down model size, perhaps a full-color model, might give you a better picture of who they are it might capture better the fullness of what they look like. In our Colossians passage, we read that it pleased God to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. I don't think Jesus, as the God made flesh, the incarnate God, son of God, is a two-dimensional caricature of God but really it's more like a three-dimensional scaled-down model size. When we see Jesus, we get a really, really good look and understanding of who God is and what God is like. We don't simply get a two-dimensional black and white caricature of what he is. And in our Ephesians passage, the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians and by extension for all Christians that Christians will also be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see that kind of refrain, the fullness of God, kind of connected there. It almost sounds like he, he wants, you know, as Christ's followers, as Christians, just as Jesus is that when the fullness of God dwells in Jesus, and when people see Jesus, they see the invisible God. He is the image of that invisible God, and people see Jesus and get a real good glimpse and understanding of who God is like. Paul is praying for the same thing, that Christians will have God's fullness in us, so that when people see us, they see God. So now here is a tough question. Are we capturing the fullness of God, of God's love, of God's character? Are we capturing the fullness of the gospel? Not only in us as individual Christians, but us corporately? Or are our versions more like the black and white two-dimensional caricatures? When people observe Christians and the church, will they be able to fully recognize 
Jesus and God. When they hear us preach the gospel, do they hear a full-orbed, a full-orbed holistic gospel, or would they get a distorted caricature? Albeit one that still bears resemblance to the gospel. Maybe with one or two features oddly exaggerated here and there. Our Ephesians passage talked about, you know, the, I like that image, right? The width, the length, the height, the depth of the love of Christ. It's kind of this three-dimensional thing. You can walk in it. Love of Christ. We need to ask ourselves, have we collapsed that 3D, three-dimensional love into a very narrow horizontal or vertical um, picture. Let's take a closer look at the Colossians passage. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. And maybe it would give us a better sense of what a fuller three-dimensional gospel might look like. I believe that our Colossians passage can be read as a summary of the gospel. And I'm going to rearrange the points a little bit so that you can see a little kind of a flow uh, of the gospel summary here of Colossians in this kind of four-point um, summary so that we can easily follow. So the point one of this gospel summary that I find in Colossians 1 is this. The first point is all things were created by God in Jesus Christ and for Jesus, who is Lord of all. We read that in verse 16 and following Right? For by Jesus, all things were created. All things were created by him and for him. And Jesus before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's point one. Point two, all things were alienated or separated or fallen away from God because of sin. Verse 21 clearly highlights that. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Because of sin, we turned ourselves from God's children into God's enemies. We'd be estranged from God. The third point, all things are reconciled to God through Jesus' death on the cross. Verses 19 to 20 says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Because we are enemies with God, God needs to initiate the peace process, the reconciliation process, by giving us, so to speak, almost a peace offering, which is the death of Jesus, his son. And finally, the fourth point all things under the lordship of Christ will be purified from sin and presented back to God. Verse 22, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. And we know that, you know, those of us who know the, the scriptures, and we know that in Revelation, the book of Revelation, the apostle John sees this 
purification finally fulfilled at the new heaven and new earth, and Jesus comes again. So that's the gospel in a nutshell, right? The gospel in a nutshell here. In Colossians chapter 1, one of the reasons why I like this passage. But did you notice this? Did you notice that when I was reading the scriptures? All things. It's interesting, and this is not simply an English translation thing. It's there in the original Greek. It didn't say all people. Paul didn't say all souls. He didn't say all hearts. He said all things over and over and over again, five times in the first five verses alone. He repeated that. And if you add in the phrase all creation, and then the phrase everything, which means the same thing as all things, you get that re- the idea repeated seven times in that five verses from verse 15 to 20. All things. And in case the Colossian Christians didn't get the point, he says all things, whether visible or invisible, whether on earth or in heaven, and he start listing some of these out too, the powers, authorities, and thrones. You get the message? Do I have to spell all this out? He means all things. Have we emphasized all things as much as Paul does in this passage? Is my question. Or have we collapsed the all things into all people? Because all things, to me, would include all people for sure. But creation, the animals, ideas and philosophies, all areas of life, all areas of society, all artistic and creations that glorify God, all the science and technological advances that serves the Lord, all of culture, all of creation, all things visible and invisible on earth or in heaven are held together, are reconciled. God is reconciling not just all people, but God is reconciling, as Paul says here, all things to himself through Jesus on the cross. This is what I like to call the gospel in three dimension, in its fullness, it's 3D. Maybe many of us Christians have preached and lived a more one-dimensional or two-dimensional kind of gospel. There are some Christians who emphasize or exaggerate the whole social dimension of the gospel, caring for the poor, working out uh, uh, injustices, correcting the social ills of the world, helping to make the world reflect God's love. That is part of the gospel, but 
it's part of the all things. I'm not sure if that's all it is. It's only one part, not the whole. And then the others exaggerate the personal dimension of the gospel, having this personal relationship with Jesus, with God, and saving people from hell and evangelizing. That is part of the gospel too. But I think it's also only one part and not the whole. These ideas and views of gospel resemble definitely the gospel that's in the scriptures. But I'm not sure if it captures the fullness of God's love. And I think, thankfully, more and more Christians are seeing that you need at least both, right? More and more of that. I have a student recently who did a, um, one of my student leaders did a in faith and justice internship with me um, through my denomination uh, program. And a paper was on uh, evangelism and social justice. And for her, she sees the two intricately connected that you have to evangelize telling, preaching people about the gospel, but at the same time, you also need to do and address social injustices while we do that. But I think it's more than just the two, those two kind of mashing those two things together up. What about creation and our role as stewards on the environment or God's world? What about the world of ideas and culture? Are they not all part of all things as well? Isn't, isn't that part of what this institution is about? Tyndale University College and Seminary? Aren't we all here equipping Christians to be able to reconcile art, science, truth, cultural issues, innovations, all things to God through Jesus? who is the way, the truth, and the life. So now, that's, that's what I try to embody in my ministry. And that's why I try to preach to my students that following Jesus is not just a one part of your life, but involves all areas of your life. And that includes your studies as well. One final question, a very important question, and a question that I always try to answer myself when I'm preaching. So what? So what if this is, okay, so what if I'm right? So what if this gospel is a three-dimensional gospel, uh, this fullness thing? What difference does it make? Well, you could probably think of more consequences, but I'll just give you one. I'll just give you one. To me, a three-dimensional gospel means that we have a three-dimensional mission from God. All right? A 3D gospel means a 3D mission. Preaching God's word is part of God's mission. Evangelizing is part of God's mission but so is social justice is part of God's mission. Racial reconciliation is part of God's mission. Caring for God's creation is part of God's mission. Redeeming ideas, institutions, 
are all part of God's mission. Because God's love is full and in, in huge and wide, God's mission is also full and wide. And our part in God's mission becomes fuller as well. There's no excuse in this scheme of things. You cannot say, well, you know, I'm not good at preaching or at uh, evangelizing, so, you know, I can't really join God's mission. I'll just make lots of money and help people who do God's mission. Uh, No. We are all gifted in something, and we all have our part in this wide, three-dimensional, full-orbed mission of God. We just need to know what it is that God has gifted us to do and to be part of in this mission of his. Everything we do, our whole lives, should be mission. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, thank you, God. Thank you that your love for us and your love for the world is immense. We know it's beyond our full comprehension and grasp. But that's no excuse for us to simply dumb it down to a distorted caricature of what it truly is. Help us to be filled with the fullness of the glory, your love, your gospel, so that we may live it, breathe it, act it out, so that when people see us, they see God's love. When people see the church, they will see truly a fullness of God and be drawn to you. Thank you that each one of us, puny as limited as we are, with awards and all, with all our sins, you have blessed us and you have called us to be on a mission with you. Whether we are in front of our computers, with our guitars, in front of our books, or in front of a grieving friend, or in front of someone who needs to know about Jesus. May your Holy Spirit equip us and remind us that we are your instruments on your mission for you and with you. We pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Can I give a little blessing for you as you go? Please rise. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us now and forevermore.
And we all say, Amen. Amen. Go in peace.